On today's episode of the Bolts Broadcast, a big win in the battle for Florida. Be tuned. Season 3, episode 64 of the Bolts Broadcast. Mike Mitchelson and Chase Croshaw with you today. Chase, how are you? I'm doing decent overall. Uh, could be better, could be worse, dealing with a, a little bit of you know congestion stuff, sounding sounding funky, but hanging in, how are you? Yeah, you always sound funky, but uh, yeah. uh, not too bad. I, well, I mean, I think the Bolts Broadcast as a whole is kind of in a troublesome place. Uh, you're dealing with the congestion and obviously the past couple of surgeries that you've had recently. And then uh, I told you that even I uh, this morning woke up with a, a little cold, a um, little cough, which is a little weird. You might be able to hear it. But then also, while at work today, I decided that uh, my thumb looked like a piece of cantaloupe. And, uh, well, went to the ER, got some stitches, and now I'm home feeling... A little, a little queasy. Not gonna lie, a little bit uh, dizzy from you know just the what, seventeen liters of blood I lost. I don't know something like that. Seventeen liters of blood. That might be a problem. Uh, I don't. How many liters is in a human body? Let me check. I don't. I don't. I don't know that number. I don't either. But I would think it's okay. Here we go. Oh, five liters. Five liters. So I, I lost. <laughs> I lost a little bit too much. A little bit too Jeez. much. Five liters doesn't seem like a lot, if I'm being honest. No, especially since, like, my surgery, they injected a liter of fluid into my body. I didn't think they were going to inject a fifth of my freaking body's fluid contents into me. Yeah. Oh, it says uh, it does depend on size and weight, but the average human adult has nearly five liters. Okay. Gotcha. Very interesting. Um, I did not lose 17 liters. Mm, I don't even want to speculate what I lost. Probably not even a quarter of a liter, but uh, we had yeah, some had some bloody rags. And uh, when I was in the ER, actually, uh, they were pulling off the gauze that we put on while I was at work still, and it was stuck. The gauze was stuck to my fingertip that like nearly got completely sliced off. And so as we were trying to take it off, it was like peeling the skin too. Well, while we were doing it in the ER, I didn't really notice how far out my skin was getting peeled because the last time I saw it, it was just completely blood. So, uh, yeah, there's a little image for you. I was like, is that, is that my skin? And the doc was like, yeah, that's you. I'm like, Oh, okay then. That's good. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was a good time. So, uh, anyways, on today's episode of the bolts broadcast, going to be talking about the game against the Florida Panthers game. Number one, going to be previewing game number two, what we can expect as we play another away game in sunshine, Florida. We're also going to be taking a look at the two finish series that we haven't mentioned as well as one other series has gotten underway while uh, we are recording right now. We are recording on Wednesday at 3 p.m. So the Wednesday night games not started quite yet. We're also going to be talking about some off-season speculation, some big names that possibly could be leaving their teams going to hit free agency. We'll talk about that and uh, as well as go over some more finalists 
for the major awards in the NHL. But Chase, let's start off with the game number one, Florida versus Tampa. This one, like I said, in Sunshine, Florida, we were the away team. However, game went pretty well for us. Yeah, indeed it did. It started with uh, Anthony Duclair got the first goal of the game for Florida Panthers. Things were looking like they were kind of going Florida's way. They were sh- they were out shooting, playing a little bit better. I uh, could see that Tampa, we were hurting quite a bit without breaking point. But eventually things started turning around. Corey Perry scores off of a beautiful pass from Nikita Kucherov in the second period. And from there, it, w- it was pretty much Tampa Bay's game. You kind of felt that it was going that way. Uh, you saw the the, the uh, fourth line get a goal. P.E. Belmar got a goal there early in the third. We saw Kutrov's and Colton's goals as well. And it, it was, you know, it was a well-rounded game. At, at one point, I don't remember, I think it was Duclair for supposed to be his second goal. He, he scored a goal that Florida thought was a good goal. But clearly, I, I saw it during the play. I don't know how it was missed by the refs in the first place. But the puck hit the top, you know, back netting there and bounced back into play. And then the, then the Panthers scored. Had to go back to review. Somehow all, all four refs missed it. Not really sure how. But they did anyway. Call gets reversed like it needed to. And kind of that point going forward, you you just knew it was going to be Tampa's win. Florida wasn't going to get any bounces going their way in this game. And it was good for us, that's for sure. Yeah, especially like after the Nikita Kucherov set up for that Corey Perry goal. Like Kucherov just filthy skating through the whole Florida Panther team and getting it over to Perry. After that, it really felt like. Okay, well, I, I think I know where this is going. It was a little bit scary at first with you know, Florida getting on the board first, and they look like the more energetic team. But once a couple of things started bouncing in Tampa's favor, it was pretty easy to see the spiral was coming, and that's exactly what happened with a 4-1 victory. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I definitely really got to point out in this game is just the lack of energy by the Florida Panthers fans. That stadium was pretty dead for what was game one of a second round series, something they haven't been to in like 25 years or something like that. Uh, I was really surprised. And I, I know that the Panthers and Sunrise aren't like the biggest hockey draw. I know that there's a lot more Tampa fans in the air, like in, in the state of Florida, really. So, you know, I, but despite all that, I, I expected a, a you know, more peppy, energetic atmosphere than we saw. It was kind of sad. Yeah, and going from a game seven in Toronto to a game one in Sunrise at... Uh... It definitely stood out even more. But I do quickly want to mention, before we look at Game 2, uh, the Arizona Coyotes and their stadium, because I don't really want to forget, uh, or their upcoming you know rank, it was announced that the Coyotes aren't allowed to put a logo on center ice because, of course, that's where Arizona State plays. So an NHL team is not going to have their logo on center ice next year. It's it's just so unbelievably funny. It's so fitting for this organization. I really got to know what the like, city or the state of Arizona, I guess, has on Gary Bettman and the NHL. Like, like they have to have some sort of blackmail to let them have this NHL team still because there's no way that like any other team in this situation would would be going through the same thing. Like, it, it, it would be blocked by the league immediately saying, "No, this isn't happening. You you guys are just moving." I I don't get why it's being so loud. Yeah, I agree. It, it's obviously an embarrassment to like anyone that's paying attention and the fact that the NHL is just cool with it and you know not helping them out a little bit just you're right there might be something behind the scenes that we don't know there's got to be like it's such an embarrassing thing yeah it, it really just it, it does it doesn't make any sense at all it it really just Oh, I guess it's just, you know, added to the list of things the NHL does that doesn't make very much sense. 
yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Let's now move on to game number two, of course, still being Florida and Tampa. Uh, what do we expect out of this one? Do we think maybe we get some more energy from the crowd, or are we feeling uh, more of a, a goaltending matchup, maybe a one nothing game? What are your expectations for game two? I, I think game two is going to be the higher scoring. Um, I, I, I think one of these games in the series, at least, is bound to go to overtime, but I don't think it's going to be this one. I think it's going to be higher scoring. I don't have much faith in that crowd in Florida right now. Um, I, I've got a lot more faith in our Tampa Lightning showing out and, and being a better fan presence. So I do I do think that it's going to be a game that does go our way again, actually, believe it or not. I, I think that, you know, coming into the series, I would have called it like, like a six-game win for the Lightning. But right now I'm ready to call it a, a, a five-game, maybe even pull out the sweep, especially if they win here in game two. Uh, they'll be in pretty good standing for a potential sweep. Now, I don't, you know, if, if I if I jinx it there, I'm sorry. But nonetheless, I do think we are going to be in a pretty good position going into this game. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, it feels really good right now. And Braden Point, he was not available for us in game one. He's no longer, he's not going to be available for us in game two either. Um, but it didn't really seem like that big of a fault just because of how we actually won. But we were missing Braden Point out there for... Uh, you know, the first two periods, and we're going to be without them again. Yeah, and, and that's that's not easy by any means. It's, it's not going to, you know, help us. Of course, you know, when one of your star players is out, it's going to make things more difficult. But you, you saw that we were able to win despite it, uh, able to get over, get over it once we kind of figured out um, what Florida was doing, made the proper adjustments, and kind of just got rolling. So I, I think it's going to be kind of a similar case. Yeah, and when you're missing out on a guy like Braden Point, you need your other stars to step up. Nikita Kucherov did that. Andre Vasilevsky certainly did that as well. So very excited to watch game two. It was very high pace, a lot of action in the game. I think if you bring in a Toronto game seven-like atmosphere, uh, whether we get that in game two or we got to wait until we come back to Amelie, that is something I'm very excited about because high energy from the fans as well as high pace on the ice is going to be something I can't wait to watch. Agreed. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, but on the other side of the commercial break, talking other series, looking at the Islanders' new head coach and going over some off-season speculation. We'll be right back. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets. No matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings' same-game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Uh, if you have any sports betting needs, including the NHL playoffs, and hey, maybe this battle of Florida, make sure to go over to the uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. 
All right, Chase. Well, let's talk about some other series around the league. There were two yet to finish the last time we came on and talked to the lovely peeps. That was Calgary and uh, their opponent there, which was, of course, Dallas. Of course. And, uh, this is one that went to overtime. And again, Jake Ottinger, just playing like the best goalie in the league, uh, stands on his head, saves over 60, but still can't get the win. Yeah, I mean, he, he's had the best performance of any single player so far in these playoffs, I would say. But it didn't matter as his team fell short thanks to the zero support he got from his teammates. And, you know, it, it sucks, but it's the way she goes sometimes. A team that maybe wasn't the most playoff built this year um, kind of, kind of you know, fallen short despite, you know, a possible potential hopeful little, little stint there. But he did play really good. He's positioned himself very greatly for that starting job next year with Dallas. I can't imagine that anybody else is really going to be pushing for that spot. Yeah, and he played really well during the regular season, too, posting a 2-5 goals against a 9-1-4 save percentage. And to do what he did in the playoffs, a 9-5-4 save percentage against a Calgary team that has been pretty good at scoring. I mean, they got one of the top five scorers in the league. So... Uh, very good play out of him and really unfortunate to see a guy like that put his heart on on the line, play as well as he did and have to go home so early. But the other series that being between Pittsburgh and the Rangers, this one started off hot for the Penguins. The Rangers were able to answer. This is another one that went to overtime again and the Rangers were able to seal the deal. Yeah, and I, I kind of felt once they won game six, they were winning game seven. Sure enough, that is what happened. Uh, it just, it, it was going to be a tough one for Pittsburgh to overcome. You know, losing game six, being on the road, even though they got Crosby and Jari back, was not going to be an easy one. Sure enough, the Rangers come out, played well. Mika's been a jad, kind of said, I'm going to put the team on my back and played, you know, incredible, setting up for what has potential to be a decently fun um, series here with, between the Rangers and the Hurricanes. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're, we'll see. But I, I think there's, you know, there's a good chance that that, that ends up being the next best series. I mean, I, I, maybe it's about Ben of Alberta. I don't know, but I feel like I'm going to like these two Eastern series the most. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in this Rangers Carolina series because if Igor Shosturkin plays like he did against the Penguins, I feel like this might just be a runaway series for uh, Carolina. But if we see the Igor Shosturkin of the regular season, this could be. An absolute battle, and I'm here for it. They got a lot of young pieces on both sides of their teams, so I'm very excited to watch this one. I think game one will give us a a peek at what we should be expecting. If it's going to be a close series or or maybe if it's going to be pretty one-sided. I, I think it's going to be uh, a better series for circuit than the last. He better hope so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least they're going to need that if they want to move on because – the Hurricanes, a little bit more of a complete team than the Penguins were. So, uh, exciting series to keep an eye on. Let's now talk about the series that got underway last night, as well as our, uh, you know, Florida and Tampa matchup. We had the Colorado Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues get their first game underway. This was, it, it didn't really feel like a close game on ice, but the Blues goaltending was phenomenal jordan bennington played very well and colorado was eventually able to seal the deal in overtime but it took a while yeah it, it did and Bennington did play well you're right it was not a really close game at all ended up being you know kind of a for, fortunate uh series of events that leads to st louis tying up there late going to overtime um colorado kind of just dominated st louis got a couple early shots overtime but 
just the rest of the game, it was it was really Colorado. It should have been like a 6 nothing type game, but it sometimes is how she goes. And Colorado got the win at the end of the day, so it really doesn't matter how they won as long as they get those wins. Sure enough, they did. I, you know, I'm still feeling pretty good about Colorado in this series. I felt like if there was going to be a game that they lost in the series, it was going to be the first game. So the fact that they're able to, to win it in that fashion, it's a pretty good sign of things to come for the rest of the series. Um, you know, St. Louis, they, they, they could continue. Like, you know, they're going to continue to push hard, don't get me wrong, and they could continue to give them a decent run for their money. But at the end of the day, I, I've got a hard time not seeing Colorado come out with this one. It feels like Colorado's got to just be in the, the, the shoe-in favorite for the West right now. I mean, yeah. can these other three teams, St. Louis, Calgary, and Edmonton, beat them in seven? Or, you know, take four of seven games? There's a possibility, but that's something I would never bet on. I'm not going to go to the DraftKings Sportsbook and bet on anyone coming out of the West except for the Colorado Avalanche. They've looked too damn good right now, sitting at 5-0 and in the playoffs. And even when games are close on the score sheet, they're not very close when it comes to the actual presence on the ice. Yeah, well, for sure. And, you know, I, I do got to say, though, in, in this game, I was very annoyed that with, like, I don't know, four minutes left in the game, I put a, a, a live bet on Shushkin to score another goal. He scored one earlier in the game. And it was like, I don't know, plus five, five something, whatever. And sure enough, game goes to overtime because St. Louis ties it up. And then I was like, you know what? Let's double down on this. It's also been down to be the overtime score because that was higher odds. So I ended up shooting at like plus five something, then like plus 1600 or something. And he had that opportunity there in overtime where I think it was maybe it was McKinnon Lansker. I don't know, whoever it was. It was I end up making a play. They take a shot. Um, then a big save from Bennington and Nishushkin has a kind of open net and Bennington just freaking robs his glove. Uh, I was like, oh, come on, really? Like that, He had that chance to score? Whatever. It, maybe he'll get one more later on. And sure enough, like a minute and a half, two minutes later, however the hell long it was, Josh freaking Manson gets his first career playoff goal off a shot from the point. Nishushkin doesn't get it. I missed out on a big chunk of money and I was very sad. Yeah, that's just heartbreaking. That's kind of why uh, I start to resent fantasy football or really any fantasy sports towards the end of the season because if you're not winning, like just stressing every single little play on every game is just it's annoying. So yeah, that's kind of why I haven't been uh, super big into sports betting yet. But, Chase, let's move on. Let's talk about some news around the league. Uh, I'm going to leave the offseason speculation till last. So let's first talk about the Islanders' new head coach. Yeah, the Islanders promote Lane Lambert from, I think he was associate head coach, to the NHL head coach. Um, it, it was a move that, you know, it makes sense. It's someone that was already with the team. they kind of familiar with the players, with the staff, how things are running there. So, Nothing too surprising. Uh, someone that I heard was in the running for the Red Wings job potentially as well. I uh, think he played with Stevie Eisman on the wings back in the day, but instead he's going to be the Islanders. So he ended up playing like 250-something NHL game after being a second-round pick. Um, has some playing experience, you know, ha- has some head coaching experience at some lower levels. This is his first NHL head coaching job. Uh, good for him. Don't really know what to expect because I don't really know much about the way he coaches the game. Yeah, I think it's exciting to see a new face, though, come in, uh, even if it's a guy who's been in the NHL coaching circles, even as an assistant, actually seeing a new face at the head coaching position is going to be one uh, I'm excited to see. And I'm really hoping that he's a little bit more offensively minded, maybe not 
uh, a Barry Trotz type of coach, but you never know because he was an assistant coach with the Caps when Barry Trotz was over there, and then when Barry Trotz came over to the Isles, he came with him. So this could be a Barry Trotz coaching tree where it's very defense-heavy. Uh, I think the Islanders should switch it up a little bit, try to access the full potential of really talented young players like Matt Barzal, like Atu Rati. So we'll see how it works. Uh, Hell yeah. Let's not talk about Mitch Marner. Um, was he playing Grand Theft Auto, or was this real life? Jeez, this was this was real life. Oh, this was this was the day after um, the game seven in Toronto. He's you know the report was he was going to see a movie with his friend, whoever they always don't know. Sure enough, a bunch of guys in masks with guns come up and carjack him. Uh, so that's that's a little a little freaky situation. I'm I'm guessing the guys did not know that it was Mitch Marner. Because maybe if they did, they wouldn't have, you know, carjacked someone who is, is you know, an NHL player who has that status. But nonetheless, it happened. Uh, so freaky situation. But uh, from all reports, he's all good. No no injuries or anything to him. Yeah, and that's the most positive thing we can take out of it is super happy. Mitch Marner comes out, you know, alive, feeling good. And, uh, well, you can't be feeling too good with your car getting jacked, but that's something for an NHL player, although it, it hurts for sure. It's not going to be the end of his world. So uh, very nice to see that he is okay over there. Let's not talk about the finalists for the Selkie, the Lady Bing, and the Bill Masterton. Yes, sir. So we will start with um, the Bill Masterton is the one that was first announced. So we'll, we'll start with that. Uh, three finalists are Dana Chara, Kevin Hayes, Carey Price. So the Masterton, you know, it, it's for a – it's essentially a uh, perseverance sportsmanship type award for, for the NHL for hockey. So, you know, you're looking at Zidane Chara, someone who has been, you know, play, playing a long time in the league, been really fighting through. Kevin Hayes, obviously a horrible situation, lost his brother uh, earlier in the season, in the offseason. And then Kerry Price dealing with his substance abuse, able to make a little bit of a comeback to the NHL. So three guys that are, that are deserving of the award. Um, I can't even speculate which one of them might win it, but nonetheless deserving. Yeah, absolutely. It was really heartbreaking news to hear about Kevin Hayes' brother, Jimmy. Um, so I can only imagine what it's like losing someone so close to you and continuing to do what you and your brother uh, found a career in and absolutely loved. Um, but let's not talk about the Lady Bane. Who do we got there for finalists? Yeah, uh, Alexander Barkov, the Florida Panthers, Patrice Bergeron of the Boston Bruins, and Elias Lindholm of the Calgary Flames. Uh, two guys that you would expect. Third guy, uh, Elias Lindholm, is, I don't mind he's a surprise because he's a deserving player, but not always something you might expect there. Um, someone that I wish would get more credit is Valerian Shushkin. Guy might be the best defensive player, the best defensive forward in the league, but because he's not a center, doesn't really get that love. He would have been in there for me and said he'd probably be my winner. But I, you know, you can't go wrong. I think it's going to be Barkov or Bergeron here. I think Lindholm just kind of really the third third place prize here. Um, either one of those guys, they're 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 deserving enough, so can't hate on it too much. Yeah, and Jay Fresh, he came out and said Patrice Bergeron should be the obvious winner for the Selkie. Barkov is has one of the most absurd defensive talents that we've seen in the league. But because he does play a little bit more offensively inclined than Bergeron, he does give up a couple more chances. But you said Patrice Bergeron has had his best defensive season of all time. And we know the Frank Selke, Frank J. Selke Award has always been the Patrice Bergeron Award. So yes. uh, I would expect it to go to Patrice Bergeron if everything Jay Fresh Hockey was saying is true. And that was that Bergeron had his 
best defensive career ever, which is insane. Yes, it is. All right, Lady Bane, uh, three finalists include hometown boy for us. Yeah, Kyle Connor in the Winnipeg Jets, Jacob Slavin in the Carolina Hurricanes, transferred to Minnesota Wild. I would assume that Kyle Connor does win this one, actually. Being a 50-goal scorer, being a 100-point um, type guy, I, I really you know would have a hard time believing it doesn't go to him compared to the defenseman. That, you know, they're playing great, don't get me wrong, but they're scoring less. Um, I, I just really feel like this this award that, I, I don't know, just it just feels like it's more fit for a forward, the Lady Bing. So I just feel like it's going to be a Kyle Connors award. And that'd be a lot of fun to see. Uh, I don't really know how they how they vote on this. Like, do, do they just compare stats and, or I guess, you know, the play on the ice plus what they did in the community? Or, like, what do they do? No, it's... It's essentially the, the the least penalized player award. It's it's the least penalized player while being a high end player award is really what it comes down to. So it's mm. it's the penalties that were taken by the players, the t- um, what types of penalties, and if they were retaliation, if they were just you know like like incidental like trippings or hookings or whatever incidental plays, or if they're you know hit from behinds or slashes to the to the teeth. It, it's that type of award. Gotcha. So a Canada award. Yes. A, a strictly Canadian award. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, pretty pretty much. All right. Well, let's now talk about some off-season speculation. Uh, we can start with the big ones, that being the Pittsburgh Penguins. We know that uh, them losing in the first round yet again is not something that they want to see happen. And it's, start, it's time to start to ask the question, is this team, is this core going to be sticking together and continuing to try to go for it because uh, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Latane, both on their last years of their deal, they've both come out and said that they want to stick with Sidney Crosby. They want to play with him for the rest of his career. Not sure what's going to happen. Do we think that's a possibility? I, de- I definitely think it is a possibility. Um, if they're going to keep one, uh, they'll say they can only keep one for some reason. I think they're going to keep Latane. I don't think they're going to keep Malkin personally. But I think they're going to find a way to keep both. I, I just can't imagine either of these guys playing for a different franchise. And if you do let either of them walk away, then you're you're trapping Cindy Crosby in a team that's going to try to rebuild and maybe have a chance to compete again when he's forty. Like it, it, it's not gonna it's not gonna work out. So you either stick with the core you have now, or you move on from everybody, and you let Crosby make that decision if he wants to move on or not. That, that's kind of what it's got to happen. Do I think it's going to happen that way? No, I kind of don't. Um, I, I would assume that Malkin and Latang are both back, but it does seem like there's at least a non-zero chance that they're gone. Yeah, I feel like both stay as well, and I'm actually surprised because I think if you do look from the um, team-building aspect, you would say, yeah, Latang's the one you want to keep because he played very well this season. Um, but I feel like when it comes to personal connections, I feel like Sid and Malkin's connection is a little bit stronger, and Sid would uh, least like to lose Malkin in comparison to Chris Latane. So if they had to keep one, I honestly might disagree with you and say they keep Malkin. But uh, I guess that is, again, from the perspective of Sidney Crosby rather than a team-building perspective. Yeah, I think they'd keep the right-handed defenseman who's going to cost less than Malkin. Yeah. We'll see what Ron Hextall does. I'm hoping that they all stay together. Uh, I'd love to see them go on one last run. It's kind of like when Henrik Lundqvist was... Uh, coming towards the end of his career. It's a guy that I love rooting for. He's an absolute legend, going to go down in the Hall of Fame, and you want to see him have success. If it comes up against our team, then you don't, you can't really root for that, but uh, to see them have some success before they go out 
is something I want to see because these are guys that I grew up with. That's why I'm so excited for Ovi to possibly reach that goal record. Yeah, that'd be very cool. All right, let's not talk about Jason Spezza over in Toronto. Is that the only team he's going to play for? It would be a yes. It's going to be the only team he's going to play for. He uh, you know, recently said that if he's come back to play, he's only playing for Toronto. He will play nowhere else. So if Toronto does not want to resign him, then sounds like he's going to retire. And, you know, this kind of pigeonholes a team where, like, Toronto's going to feel a little more obligated to sign him for this reason. If they said, if he said, I just want to keep playing hockey, they might feel less obligated to sign him. But they're going to feel a little more obligation. They'll probably make him a contract offer, probably play one more season. They'll try to run it back with as similar of a core as possible, you know, maybe a couple changes here and there. But I got to imagine that he's going to stay in Toronto, play one more season. They'll try to see if they can, you know, maybe have a chance to, to win a chip next year. You're telling me that if Daniel Alfredson comes out of retirement, he wouldn't want to go play on a line with Kachuk and Alfredson? Yeah, I don't think Daniel Alfredson's <laughs> coming out of retirement anytime soon. Yeah, hey, I mean, that'd be a fun one to see, though. A nice little reunion that, from 20, 2006. Yeah, I think he retired in like 2013, didn't he? Yeah, I don't know, something like it's, that. He retired like a long time ago. But Nick Littram retired a long time ago. Nick Littram retired in, in 2012, and that guy's still... And unreal playing shape. That guy could still play hockey. He he, freaking retired as a, you know, on on a Stanley Cup contending. If he was on a Stanley Cup contending team, he was still the number two defenseman at the absolute worst. He, he retired at that level of hockey, dude. That guy was so good. I bet you he could still play in the NHL. Daniel is different. Only forty nine years old. He's got it. He's good to go. Bring him back. Uh, all right, let's talk very about different. Very Ka- very different. Kevin Fiala over with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, what do the Wild do? Do they uh, try to trade him? Do they try to sign him to a long year or a long term extension? Do they sign a one year and trade him at the deadline? What are we thinking with Kevin Fiala? So he's going to be an RFA. I would try to move him uh, at the draft personally if I were them because they're not, really not going to have the money to sign him. They're going to have to make some other trades, and it's going to be too much roster shifting to do for a guy that didn't really perform too well in the playoffs. So I would look to move him at the draft preferably, make a little more signs. Maybe you can get a draft pick, maybe you can get a player. I don't know. But uh, I do imagine him not playing for the Minnesota Wild next year. Where he might go, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I don't think they're just gonna let him go as a UFA either. So he'll either, you know, get get a tender, get a qualifying offer, um, and then get traded at some point, or he'll just get traded before the draft. I'm assuming. Did anyone on Minnesota have a great playoff showing though? Uh, no, not really. I'm actually going to look right now because I'm, I'm very curious to see. Flurry tried hard, if that means anything. That's true. Kirill Kaprizov had eight points for six games, so that was decent. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Too bad. Everyone else just didn't really work out. Yeah, so going to be an interesting to, interesting uh, transition to see what happens over in Minnesota. But that's going to do what we're going to move to. Hockey name of the day. We've got Damir Shymardinov. Shymardinov. Demir. Nailed yeah. it. Shea Martinov. Yeah, I'm basically there. You're basically there, but not all the way there. So Demir Shea Martinov is a 20-year-old Russian goalie, uh, signed with HK Sochi for the next season, played this last uh, season in the MHL for a couple teams for uh, Captain Stupino and MHK Krilia Sovatov Moskva. Yeah, you heard those. Yeah, exactly that. Um, but he's from Ufa, Russia. Love that city name. Um, 02 birthday, not an NHL draft pick, not really someone I'm expecting to be an NHL draft pick either, 
but you know he's far from like the worst talent out there. I, I would assume he's someone that we'll see in the international scene at some sort of level in his career. Um, but that'll really be about it. That's cool. And yeah. uh, the first time in a long while where I've actually been close in the name, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, not bad. All right, Chase, hit him with an outro. As always, I want to thank you guys for listening. If you want to check us on Patreon, support us over there. I really appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter at Bulls Broadcast. It's at Bulls Broadcast. You can follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. It's at HockeyPodNet. While we're at it, follow WNP on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod and WNP Sports Pod. Make sure to go to HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Get all the podcasts in the network there. Boom. Click the logo. There's an easy peasy lemon squeezy. Wherever you can rate us five stars, send us your questions, comments, concerns. We'd really appreciate it. We're able to do. Do not forget to use code THPN when we sign up for DraftKings. Thanks so much for stopping by. We'll talk to you next time.